0: Dr. Adam Chasm is the president of the Ontario Medical Association, and the OMA has just released, a few hours ago, a new in-depth study when it comes to pay between male and female physicians. And the doctor joins us now. Doctor, welcome back to the show and Global News Radio.
1: Jeff, good to be back.
0: All right, what did the study find when it comes to pay between male and female physicians?
1: So, an in-depth analysis by our organization found that there exists a 13.5% daily pay gap between male and female physicians we believe that there might not be a single factor that fully explains the gender pay gap and there's likely not a single intervention that's likely to fully address it which means that there likely needs to be a multi-pronged approach to, to really eliminating ultimately this gender pay gap that exists in the profession
0: okay i want to talk about that in a second but let's get to some of the causes or root causes of this because as you just referenced there doctor the gap just uh, it isn't a yearly thing it's daily what accounts for that
1: yeah, so there's when we when we think about how doctors are remunerated, there's both daily billings as well as sort of a, uh, an annual fee that can be depending on the the type of work that that happens. It can be broken down into daily versus annuals. And so when we think about an annual pay gap, it's actually bigger when you break it down into smaller parts, such as a daily billing perspective. But what we really don't understand is why this actually exists. Our research right now is based on 2017, 2018 data. And, of course, there needs to be more research in this area to really fully understand what is happening. We have some suspicions and some hypotheses that this might be related to maternity leave or family responsibilities that actually are, of course, born in a more significant way to to female physicians as opposed to male. But we really do need to do a bit more data digging in, in order to be able to understand.
0: So, if that being the case, we need to do some more digging. Do we know what the possible solutions are yet? You mentioned a multi-prong uh, approach. Do we know what needs to be done to close this gap? Is there any, anything the Ontario Medical Association is advocating for?
1: Well, we think that, again, it really depends on the root causes of this gender pay gap to begin with. But, of course, if if it's believed to be the case that it's due to caregivers for different types of uh, genders, then obviously financial support for parents and caregivers uh, would would, would go a long way. The other thing that I think is important to recognize is that this may speak to uh, the need to modernize how uh, physicians are paid. So the province's fee schedules, for example, uh, might need to be revised or at least looked at in order to ensure pay equity between different specialties. Uh, and, and other types of doctors.
0: So is this something you're going to bring to the attention of the provincial government? Talk to the health minister about
1: Well, I think that right now what we have started with is, first of all, we're the first PTMA, the uh, Provincial or Territorial Medical Association, to do a study of, light, of, light, of this nature ever. And so we want to first be able to present our data and then, of course, discuss with our stakeholders and our other health care system partners on a path forward.
0: All right. Joined by Dr. Adam Chasm. He's the president of the Ontario Medical Association and also making uh, headlines. Medical headlines is Ontario's vaccine passport doctor, which goes into effect at midnight tonight. And uh, what would your message be and what do you think that Ontarians need to know when it comes to this passport coming into effect in just a few short hours?
1: so we've actually been calling for a vaccine passport or a certificate domestically or intra provincially for quite some time in fact it's been a couple of months now and we believe that that would actually go a long way in terms of being able to create environments of retail and others that would be safe so that people can actually go and visit and we can keep our economy open. Now, obviously, tomorrow, starting tonight, actually, proof of vaccination and government ID, so identification like a a driver's license will be needed in many indoor establishments. So we think about things like restaurants or cinemas or nightclubs, bars, uh, Stadia, et cetera. And so, you know, if you're thinking about, you know, rooting rooting for the Jays going into this playoff race, um, uh, you're going to need an ID and, and a vaccine certificate
0: and that's a piece of paper as of uh, right now it's not till uh, later next month uh, if people are looking to download this document or looking for an app or something to download on their phone that's coming later
1: exactly and you know for folks who might not have access to a smartphone or if they're elderly and they need usually their their, their loved ones to help them with that then uh, the piece of paper will suffice but of course for those of us who use smartphones and uh, perhaps want to have it a bit more uh, readily accessible that passport uh, uh, it technology, I think, will be coming down the line, just like other jurisdictions like Quebec and B.C. have rolled out.
0: You mentioned a second ago this is something that uh, you, the Ontario Medical Association, have been advocating for for a little while now. Is it your hope that this will uh, help increase the vaccination rate in the province?
1: I certainly hope so, Jeff. I think that we're getting to a point where uh, we're we're moving in the right direction. The majority of Ontarians have done their job, they have rolled up their sleeves, have gotten the vaccination and we want to be able to move that needle even further, especially in the context of a Delta variant. And we're seeing how that's playing out in other jurisdictions and other provinces in this country. And we desperately want to avoid having to go backward instead of forwards. And so hopefully this can serve as a motivation for those who might be on the fence uh, to, to think about getting the vaccine.
0: Well, there's vaccine hesitancy, and there's also some hesitancy around using a vaccine uh, passport, uh, privacy uh, concerns. I know the premier addressed some of that uh, with the media earlier today and i know that you're not uh, an it uh, professional or a uh, you know computer programmer but having said that what would you say to those that are having some concerns about carrying around what you know they may consider to be sensitive personal medical information on their digital device
1: i think sometimes we have to put things in perspective just in that uh, we're, we're at a point in, in our society right now where uh, all of us have been affected, uh, maybe not equally, but certainly in some capacity as a result of the pandemic. And so when we think about trying to move forward as um, uh, as a society and trying to get through this fourth wave, trying to get over the hump here, I think a vaccine certificate is a reasonable step forward. I know that there are certain commitments by other jurisdictions from, to make this temporary, and I know that the Ontario government might be thinking about doing that for this particular circumstance. And so I think this should be looked at as a temporizing measure in order to really get our hands around the, this last sort of quarter mile of the vaccination effort and the pandemic effort so that we can ultimately get back to a normal into the fall, winter, and hopefully into 2022.
0: And when you talk about returning to normal, just how close do you think we are, doctor, to that in this province? And just like your take on where we're at right now in the fourth wave, we were talking with your counterpart from Alberta on the show late last week, who was obviously sounding the alarm bells when it comes to uh, hospitals, ICUs, and hospitalization rates are there in that province. Uh, just where are we here in Ontario right now?
1: I think I think that's certainly an evergreen concern about uh, the unvaccinated population getting sick and ultimately overburdening our healthcare system, which is why it's so important over the next weeks and months to get people fully vaccinated. I am cautiously optimistic, however, that we are trending towards some sort of an return of normal. I know that it's extremely important for kids, for example, to be in class, to be in in-person learning for their own physical, psychological and neurological development. And so we all know this the, the effects that we that have had, uh, unfortunately, been sustained by by not only the kids, but also everyone else in society as a result of the lockdowns and, and, and other, other measures. And so if we can kind of keep our eye on the ball, I think that we can at least consider a normal to be uh, what we think about when uh, we think about the future.
0: Just finally, when it comes to hospitalizations in the province, is Ontario ready, willing, and able to help out to Alberta if uh, they do indeed make that phone call?
1: I I certainly think that there's been a commitment made, or at least I've heard about commitments by Ontario and other provinces, including Manitoba, to, to assist. I certainly hope and believe that we do have the capacity. We've done it before and we can do it again. I know that we actually got help from the maritime provinces when we were really in desperate straits. So I think that um, as we know, healthcare is a team sport and we're just, you know, we're just coming out of a federal election. We want to be able to be unified in this province, in this country. And I think being able to assist wherever we can is something that we can try and do and step up to the
0: plate for. All right. Dr. Adam Chasm, president of the Ontario Medical Association, always appreciate the time and the perspective. Thanks again for joining us.